today to be attentive to the Lord because I, I have battled in, as a pastor that, that disappointment on a day that it snows and it, oh, I know it, my, my, our plans are thwarted. You know, we had all these plans today with our color wars and all these things. And, and, uh, and I've learned, though, that it's days like this that you really need to pay attention to the voice of God. Because when, um, to always expect God to speak, even when our plans change. And, and so I pray that we can, as we gather around the word today, whether it's you're watching online at home or, or whether um, you did come, thank you for, for being here. Um, I'm just thankful for the, what the Lord's going to say today. You know, when my... Uh, my, my kids were little. I love that game that we would play when I would say jump, and they would, they would jump, and I would catch them. And I can, lots of memories in the pool of, hey, jump, and they would jump, and, and they learned to trust, Dad, you're going to catch me. And, and to, to watch that, that trust build right in front of my eyes was always fun. Uh, when Eric was about three, um, <laughs> we were on our way to Grand and Granddad's house to go swimming, and and uh, Robin had called and said, go to the grocery store. And so uh, he and I did. And, and um, so we get to their house, and, and I'd gotten out of my truck, and I got the groceries. And Eric goes to the edge of the truck and said, Dad, catch me. And he just jumps. And, um, and that was the moment that Eric understood that gravity was actually a law uh, that was not breakable. He also understood that that wounds uh, heal fairly. Some wounds heal fairly quickly. Uh, that, those wounds kind of did. He, he also uh, learned that that was the moment I think he recognized that dad was not the superhero that he thought that I was. You know, when your kids are young, they're like, my dad can beat up your dad, and my dad is unstoppable. And, but he realized, okay, dad, you're kind of flawed. You got some limitations. Uh, uh, he also learned that valuable lesson that when mom sends you to the grocery store, you come back with everything she asked for, and it's all in perfect shape. So, so we learned all those lessons in that moment. Um, but, but, you know, the truth is the Lord, you know that his hands are never full. He, he's never going to drop you. He's not like I, I'm a limited earthly father, but he's not limited like I am. And, 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 and you know, we've been in this journey through the book of Acts, and we're kind of we're coming in for a landing. Uh, if you've been with us, for, if you're a visitor today, one of our practices is that we walk through, normally we walk through a book of the Bible. And uh, we've been in Acts for quite a while. And, uh, and we're coming to the end of it. And there's great value in studying a book like this because in this, you, you really have things that you just can't help but notice. Like, like as you look at Paul and you trace his journey, because the last half of Acts is Paul's three missionary journeys. And, and in that journey, you see these moments of, of God moving and, and God helping him and God rescuing him. You see these trials that he goes through. He's been beaten up and, and he's faced these really difficult circumstances. Now, you see, if you remember Acts 21, we studied this, that, that Agabus, this prophet, said, Paul, you're going to get arrested and, and it's not going to be easy. 
And Paul saw that as preparation in his life. He didn't see it as a warning to not go to Jerusalem. He said, when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested. And sure enough, he went to Jerusalem and got arrested. And what's interesting is, is it's, this, um, it's through these trials that Paul learns to trust the Lord. And, and this, is, this makes sense for us. Because as I look at my life, it's, it's not through the times that it was going great that I learned to trust the Lord. It's those times that it's been difficult that I watch God bring me through tough times. That's when I've learned that, that God can be trusted. It's like when James wrote, uh, this makes perfect sense, that James chapter 1, verses 2 and 2 through 4 says, um, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so, so the, the, the Bible is full of, of these challenges that, that fly in the face of that health, wealth, and prosperity idea that we see so often. Because you hear a lot of preachers that get up and say, oh, you know, God wants you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And that's not always what the Bible, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible actually um, points to the fact that you can be in the middle of God's will and be in a really, really tough spot, a dangerous spot, a costly spot. And, that's, and as, you, as we walked with Paul, that's what we see. We see Paul going through some really, really tough circumstances. But, but, but notice what, what God is doing in Paul's life. Because as he's going through this, you know what God is providing for us, don't, don't you? It's, it's, the, it's the New Testament. He's providing, he's writing these letters to Colossae, to, to, um, to Ephesus, to the, the, the Thessalonian believers, to, to um, uh, people at Galatia. He's writing these letters to the churches during this time. And, and, you know, out of these trials, out of these difficulties, out of this moment where, where Paul is, is uh, I mean, think about this. He suffered beatings. People have tried to kill him. He's lost his freedom. He has a growing list of enemies. He's fled for his life many times. He has physical struggles as a result of some of the beatings that he's going through. And, and he suffered greatly. And over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to see is that, is that these trials are relentless. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I don't know if you've ever felt like, God, what's going on? Do you see me? It's relentless. It's one trial after another. I, there's people in our church right now that I'm broken for because they're going through trial after trial. I mean, right before I walked up on stage, I got a text message of, of, another, of a trial. And, it, and, it, and, and I feel it. And I, and, but, but here, in the midst of our study of, the, of God's Word, we see over and over again that, that God is faithful to walk us through the trials. And this is what He does over and over again. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts 27. So if you could turn there, what we're going to do is we're going to read verses 39 through 44, which is the end of the chapter, and then we're going to kind of backtrack and go back to the front but uh, let's stay in Acts 27 today. And if you'd stand, let's read God's word together, if you would, please. And uh, we'll start in verse 39 and read Acts 27. It says this, Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land. 
but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the winds they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. The rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And so it was so that all were brought safely to land. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you Maybe seated now. Now, you know, all through our history, we, we've, even though we're from Oklahoma, and I don't know how many sailors there are in this room, but, but we, we've kind of adopted this sailor, uh, these sailor statements uh, that, that we just understand. Like, like for instance, uh, sink or swim. That's a, that's a sailor analogy of, of you're either going to sink or swim, right? It's better to swim. Uh, the, the, I hope you have smooth sailing. I've used some of these before. Oh, man, this is smooth sailing. These are rough waters. You know, these are these analogies that are in our vernacular. The, you know, I've, I've, um, one of my favorite books that I've read in the last four years is Pilgrim's Progress. Got to read it. I just, it, it's, it, but, but, you know, we get that term from Pilgrim's Progress, he's reached the other shore. Okay, so, so these, these sailor analogies are something that we understand. And, and, and I think it's interesting that Luke, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. He writes this entire story in Acts 27. He goes, I'm going to include this whole story of this, this shipwreck and this moment of, of uh, just craziness that took place. And, 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 and you know, uh, why, why did Luke include this? Well, God inspired him, of course. God inspired his word and 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 it's inerrant. It's 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 infallible. But but I think that one of the personal motivations for Luke to include this is that Luke was there. Luke walked through it. Luke was was present with with Paul. Look back at verse one in chapter twenty seven. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. Julius is the centurion, the the soldier that's with him. And embarking on the ship of Adramidian, which was about to sail, the ports, sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be care, cared for. Luke is one of the friends that's there. Now, now, I think it's incredible to, to watch how Paul has learned to trust the Lord. And I think it's something we should, we've got to learn as well. It's my prayer today that we recognize that when, when the pressure comes, God's faithful. Because and, and, the reality is we're going to all go through tough times. We're going to all go through times that are like storms, that, that we're not going to know how it's going to work out. And I, and I just want to say to you that if you're in that time right now, God is faithful. If you're not in that time right now, trust me, those times will come to all. And when that time comes, God's faithful. And it's important that we recognize this. Now, um, what I love about uh, what God did for, 
for, for Paul here is uh, he was with him. And, and, you know, when you think about uh, point number one is this. I hope I want you to follow along. When tough times come, when tough times come, do you know that God provides people with skin on? And I love that about God. I love it that when, when tough times come, we don't have to face it alone. Here's Luke, and I think it's amazing that, that God sent Luke to be with Paul. Paul had faced some physical difficulties. I mean, he'd gotten beaten with rocks. He, had, uh, he I think, had some physical difficulties because of this. And, and what does God do in his amazing love for Paul and his help? He, a doctor gets saved, and a doctor goes with him. And, and I'll tell you what, I think it's probably pretty important for, Luke to, or for Paul to have a doctor in his life. And here's in Luke's not only a doctor, he could write, and he wrote really well. And God used Luke to write the book of Luke, the, the gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts. And Luke uh, includes this, this story because he was with Paul. Another person that was there, we see it in this passage, Aristarchus is there. Now, you remember him, right? Aristarchus was, I mean, I... I I brought it up once when Eric was born. I think, can we name him Aristarchus? Because uh, that would be a cool, that, I love Aristarchus. Um, Aristarchus, remember him, Acts 19? He's the one that, that when, when, Saul, when Paul was in, in Ephesus and this whole riot broke out, Paul had gone out of town, and what, what happened? The leaders of the city of Ephesus grabbed two men, Gaius and Aristarchus, and they grab them, and they bring them into the, into the whole amphitheater. The 25,000 people were there, and for two hours, Aristarchus and Gaius are standing in front of a crowd of 25,000 people, and they shout for two hours, great is the Artemis of the Ephesians. And I can imagine in that two-hour period, Aristarchus and Gaius looking at each other going, dude, we're dead. We're dead right now. And what happened is the Aristarchus and Gaius watched the Lord just protect them. And so much so, it's such a crazy moment in Acts 19 that, that the city leaders get up and said, we don't even know why we're here. So they all just dismissed and said, oh, I guess we're going to all go home. And Gaius and Aristarchus survived. So you know what's cool about the provision of God? God provided people around Paul that had been tested that had walked through tough times. And, and this is how God helps us. And I want you to see that, that no Christian is called to go through tough times alone. And I want you to remember that. That when, when you go through difficult circumstances, you're not alone. And we, none of us face difficult circumstances alone. And I love this, that God provided people with skin on. And, and this is why I think church is so important, because when we come to church, do you know that you're not supposed to be anonymous? And this is a trend I see in a lot of churches, that, that, that we just want to come in and into the big room and watch the show, if you will, but I really don't want to be involved in each other's lives. And let me tell you something, that's not church. Church is supposed to be a group of people that we are in one another's lives. We're holding one another accountable, and this is why I love our emphasis for today. This was a day we were putting great emphasis on our groups. Now, we're going to push it back to next week, so we don't have, we probably won't have Blizzard Mageddon next week. Uh, but, 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 you know, we need our groups. We need to be known, and we need to know one another. And, and, and this is my prayer, that, that, that you recognize that you're to allow yourself to be to know and be known. 
And, and this is the beauty of church. Just for example, um, just a couple weeks ago, we had our deacons meeting. And in our deacons meeting, uh, uh, Randy Gorell, who is one of our deacons, and he's a, he attends the Calvary campus with his wife, Karen. And, and, and Randy, at our deacons meeting, gets up and shares his testimony of loss. He talked about, and some of you know Randy, and you know Karen, and you were here when Beth, their daughter, died as a student at OBU, on campus of OBU. Tragic time. And Randy gets up and shared his testimony at Deacon's meeting, and I'll tell you what, it was incredible to watch how the Lord used him, just even among those men. And see, this is, this is what I see over and over again of God using each other to help each other through life. Look, there are trials that we will walk through. And the trials you walk through will be used by God to help somebody else walk through a trial. And so my prayer is that you recognize that as a church, we're to, know, we're, we're to, we're to allow ourselves to know one another and be known by one another. And, and being a part of the church, and think about this, being a part of this church is God's careful provision in your life. Now think about that, that it's, a, it's his careful provision for you to be a part of church. And so for us to, to make sure that we, we, we are held accountable, we are, we are working together, and, and it's my, my prayer that we, we don't buy into that lie that church is, a, is, a, is, a, is like going to Walmart. We're not consumers here. We're family. And, and, and there was a book that I read several, several, about a year ago, and, and I just, it just made me sick to my stomach. And, and a, lot of, a lot of pastors were giving it to their staffs, and, and, um, and, and I read it and looked at it, and I thought, man, I'm not giving this to our staff. Um, it just made me sick because it was true. And the title of the book was called Secrets of the Secret Shopper. And the point of the book was, how do you reach out to guests who are visiting your church. And it was this American consumeristic view of church. And you know what made me sick is that it's accurate. But, but I pray that you don't buy into that. That you don't shop for a church. You pray, God, what community are you calling me to serve with you with? Beside and invest in, and be in life together, and, and impact the kingdom together. You know, it's, we're, we're called to be a church. And, and in that, the, like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, and now let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some in, as, as is the habit of some. And I love what, what the writer of Hebrews says. It's the habit of some not to be involved in church. And, and you've got to be involved in life together. And don't get out of the habit. Stay in the habit. And this is why we should know one another and work on these groups and, and pay attention to one another and notice that if somebody's gone, we call them and say, what's up? What's, how's it going? We ought to be a church that if, if you walk in and, and you lie to somebody when they say, how you doing? And you go, fine. They go, dude, no, you're not. How are you? What's going on? That's how we're to know one another. And and, and, and I love this idea that being a part of this church is God's careful provision in your life. 
and, and we're to encourage one another, like Hebrews says, and, and do this all the more as we see the day approaching. And if you look this up in your Bible, that word day is capital day. That means the day of the Lord, the day that Jesus returns. And we are called to be together because there's a day that is approaching that, that time and service will end. And that's why it matters how you serve the Lord. It matters what church you go to. It matters. And if you just see church as a consumer environment, you've got to change your thinking because it's not right. Now, I want you to know, we are faithful. And there's been some, there's been some Baptist churches in the news recently about, um, about wise practices. And I want you to know, at our church, we have some wise practices when it comes to background checks with our, our staff and our children's ministry and, and our hiring procedures. We pay attention to, to, to backgrounds and, and, and we have some good practices that are wise and, and, and we have some accountability that's wise. So understand that. But let's not, for, let's not buy into that idea that we're consumers. But what I see God doing in Paul's life, point number two is this, that God is faithful to prepare us in advance for difficult circumstances. And God does this to Paul. He, he prepares him in advance. And as we've walked through this book, we see over and over again of God saying, look, Paul, get ready for this. And, and I believe this is true for us as well. And, and just like God spoke to Moses, remember when God spoke to him when he was in Exodus chapter 3, that God said, Moses, I'm calling you to do this. Just like God spoke to Moses, he will, he will prepare you. God prepared Moses in advance. Just as God spoke to Paul, God speaks to you. God will speak speak to us. Just like God prepared Aristarchus, I want you to see God will prepare you. And this is why I pray that we are a, a people that understand God, regardless of the circumstance, even when it's tough, I trust you. And we will embrace that call in, in, in Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6 that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And we see Paul doing this over and over again. Now look back at verse 7 of chapter 27. It says this, we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off the coast, coast of Snidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go further. So we see in this moment, they're having trouble sailing. And, and here's what happens. God speaks to Paul in this moment and he, he touches, he speaks to him. And this is what God does. Verse, verse 10 Paul advised them saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, and not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Verse 11, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. Now, now, what, what, probably most of us would be the same way, right? You have the preacher on board, the godly guy on board, and he's a tent maker. He's not a sailor. He, we don't hear about Paul being have this expert seaman guy. He's, he's, just a, he's just a tent guy, a preacher. And the preacher speaks up and says, hey, fellas, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble here. And the centurion's like, okay, thanks, Paul. I think I'm going to pay attention to the ship, the guy that, that's sailing the ship. Thanks for your advice. And how many of us look at experts rather than the preachers, right? And I'm not saying I'm always right. I want to be held accountable. But let me tell you something. God, it's always wise to listen to the godly man, the godly voice in your life. And so we discount 
godly voices often. And I, I think that's just a point worth making. Verse 13, when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had attained their purpose. So, so the, the, they think, oh man, I've got a good wind here. It's a south wind. They weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But look at verse 14. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. Now, I don't, I've not been, I've been on, a, on the ocean a few times. And I, I cannot imagine being on an ocean in a major storm. I mean, like for me, if I fall overboard on the ocean, I'm gone. That's, that's Jesus taking me to heaven because I will actually, I'll die of fear. Because, uh, I mean, I can't scuba dive. I threw up when I snorkeled with my wife. I mean, this is like, I'm, I'm terrified of the ocean. And um, this tempestuous wind comes up. That's Luke saying, this is bad, boys. This is bad. And, and the ship, verse 15, when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave to it and were driven along. And verse 21, uh, I, I think it's just, well, no, look back at verse 19. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay upon us, and all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. So, so this is bad. I mean, if you're throwing away your tackle, your, your source of food, if you're throwing stuff overboard, you're at the last resort. And it says, and no small tempest lay, on it, lay upon us. Paul, I mean, Luke's writing like, this is bad times, boys. We're, we're going down. And all hope of our being saved was abandoned. Verse 21, since they had been without food a long time, Paul stood up among them. And this is what the preacher says. Verse 21, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. I mean, thanks, preacher. Uh, guys, you should have listened to me. The preacher speaking up. Uh, Yet, verse 22, now I urge you, take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night, there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Now, God didn't give Paul all the details. God said, look, all these guys are going to be saved. So Paul speaks up and says, hey, God spoke to me, guys. And what's interesting is a lot of these guys, they didn't know the Lord. I mean, they, they didn't follow the Lord. But he stands up and says, look, God, be, be, be encouraged. Verse 29, look at this. And fearing that they might run aground on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. Have you ever been in that spot where you're like, God, oh God, we're, we're in trouble. Lord, I'm praying for day to come. I'm praying for some kind of light. And what's interesting is they, they, they were afraid they might run on the rocks. Paul's like, no, I told you, we're running on the rocks, boys. Uh, so, but they're trying to stop it. Verse 30, as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, and had lowered the ship's boat into the, into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. 
Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. So right here, it's interesting. At first, they didn't listen to Paul. Now he goes, hey, boys, you get out of this soldier, Julius. If if they get out of the boat, they're dead. And so Julius is the man. Because for whatever reason, they cut the anchors and said, we're going to listen to the preacher now. And they did. You know they found those anchors? That's just an interesting part of history. And so, verse 33, as day was about to dawn, Paul told them to eat. Verse 38, when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing the wheat into the sea. Now we read this. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land. But they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors, they left them in the sea, and the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken by the surf. So this is desperate. Look at verse 42. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. You know what's interesting? I mean, you think about Paul. I mean, he predicts, hey, we're going to run aground. And all of a sudden, everything happens like Paul says. And then he's like, okay, surely they're going to come up and go, hey, man, high five, Paul, good job. You were right. No, the the soldier's guy, we got to kill him. Let's kill them all. And Julius steps up and, and he prevents it from happening. Now, I don't know how he did that. I don't know if Julie was, Julius was such a bad dude that he said, okay, if you go after him, you're going to have to come through me. And everybody's like, okay, I don't want to do that. I don't know if it was that. Or I don't know if Julius was, got them all together and said, we're not going to do that. But however it happened... Julius persuaded everybody not to kill the prisoners because he loved Paul. Now, I don't know if Julius ever came to know Christ. I think probably so. But you know, I think it's interesting that here's his captor. Here's someone watching Paul go through all this difficulty. And yet he respected him. And I've wondered... Lord, when I'm going through difficulty and doubt and storms in my life, do the people that watch me go through this, are they inspired by that? Are they, are they amazed at that? I just think it's interesting. Verse 43 Julius ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make it for the land. The rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And look at how this chapter ends. And so it was that all were brought safely on land. How many? All. Everybody survived. Now, When tough times come, God provides people with skin on. I love it how God does that. When tough times come, God prepares us in advance. 
And do you know that? What else? When in every circumstance, point three is this, in every circumstance, it makes sense to trust what God says. And this is something I pray you remember. In every circumstance we face, it makes sense to trust God. Sometimes we don't want to trust God. Sometimes we think, Lord, this is too big for you. God, I don't know where you are. But can I just say to you, if you are going through a tough time right now, God's faithful. When the storm comes in your life, if it's not now, when it does come, can I just remind you, God will keep his word. And so let's, let's grow in our understanding of difficulties. And, and let's learn to obey God's voice in both good times and tough circumstances. Let's obey him. Let's obey his voice at all times. Let's obey his voice in every circumstance. Let's, let, let's learn to, to be a, a follower of Christ that says, God, I will tithe even when it's tight at my house. Lord, I will obey you even when I don't feel like obeying you. This may really surprise you, but, but you know, my wife and I have been married for 25 years, almost 25 years. This summer will be 25. And, and you know that, that, that every time uh, I wake up in the morning next to her, she doesn't roll over and look at me and go, mm, look at that man I married Oh, honey, come over here and just give me, don't even brush your teeth, just give me a kiss. That doesn't happen at my house. I just want you to know that. But I'm so grateful that my wife has learned to trust God above her personal feelings. And do you know this is something we need to grow into? Trusting God above our feelings. Sometimes we rely on our feelings. Feelings come and go. But let's, let's grow in our walk with the Lord to say, God, I'm going to trust you over my feelings. God, let's, let's another lesson in this story to put your hope in God's revealed plan over the greatest human experts. Sometimes we rely on those, those captains of the ship, if you will. And let's trust in God above them. And, and let's think about this. Do you know that because God has been faithful in the past, hasn't he been faithful in your past? Hasn't God proven himself over and over again? Hasn't he helped you when you were down and you, and you, you didn't know how it was going to work out and you watched God's plan come together? He's been faithful in our past. Do you know that God is, because God is the helper in the present? I mean, haven't you experienced the Lord even now if you're in a difficult time? God is a helper in the present. And I've, I've, I've seen that. I've, I've, I've been in those moments where I'm like, God, I need you now. He's helped me. He's strengthened me. He's filled me with his spirit. Don't you realize that he's certain to secure the future for you? Isn't he certain to secure the future? I mean, I mean what you don't hear is, is, is Paul getting, you know, on the ship and the, and the soldier said, we got to kill these guys. 
Paul doesn't say, God, what are you doing? No, God used this Roman leader to protect him, and they all survived. But God's faithful. And I just want you to know that. And even if you're in a trial right now, that you don't know how it's going to work out, God's faithful. You know, we're going to have an invitation, and I'm going to ask our guys to come. And, you know, there's lots of ways to respond today. Maybe your response today is to pray right where you are. Just get on your knees right now and just pray. Maybe it's to sing this song that we're about to sing. And, and would you think about it as you sing it? God, I will. So like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you. My will is going to surrender to you. I'm going to choose to follow you in every circumstance. In making this declaration, Lord, I will. Maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you're going, maybe you need to come and pray for somebody. I just want to ask you to respond to the Lord. Respond to his voice. Because he's faithful. He's faithful to speak even on a snowy day. He's faithful.